Amen, amen. We're going to start in Luke chapter number 19. We're going to begin in verse number one. It's an amazing story we're going to be getting into here. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, uh, you've heard about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man if you went to Sunday school. But uh, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus and his interaction with the Lord Jesus and how we can apply that into our lives tonight. First off, I want you to notice in verse number one, the Bible says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So number one, I want you to see where we're at, Jericho. If you remember, Jericho was the first city that fell to the nation of Israel in the promised land. Whenever Jericho uh, had their big walls, it was no match for the power of God. Amen. Whenever God told, to, whenever God told Joshua to march around Jericho, the walls came tumbling down, didn't they? And one of the things I want you to see is in Jericho, even in Jericho, God's grace was available because there was one harlot by the name of what? Rahab. One harlot that she had heard, listen, she had heard about God. She had heard that God delivered his people out of captivity. Amen? Listen, when God begins to move, people will tell. Amen? When God begins to stir, the people begin to talk. And, and somehow, some way, they were talking about those Israelites. Their God delivered them out of Egypt. And Rahab, listen to this, a harlot. Out of the whole city, God's hand was on her. God's hand was on her. When there was something about that message, when she heard it, she wanted it. If God could set them free, could he also not set me free? Do you not realize that sometimes we get entangled in things in life and we didn't mean for it to turn out that way? I don't think that any girl ever grew up thinking I'm going to grow up and become a harlot. But through the circumstances of life and the hardships that she went through, she found herself stuck in a situation and she heard about a God who sets the captives free. Woo, she heard about it and she wanted it, amen? And God still sets captives free today, doesn't he? God still sets the captives free. And I want you to know that whatever is coming against you, if God is for you, nothing can be against you in Jesus' name. God knocked down the walls of Jericho and he'll knock down the walls in your life, amen? But I want you to know it was predicated by worship. It was predicated by worship and dedication and, listen, don't fall down, consecration. <laughs> I know you hadn't heard that word in a long time, but God used his people when they were dedicated and set apart and they were worshipers and they were consecrated for his purpose. Consecrated means set apart. Lord, I'm not going to touch any unclean thing. I'm going to be a vessel that you can use. Amen? You know that God will use you? God will use you. God, God is no respecter of persons. But I tell you what God wants. He wants a clean vessel. It don't have to be pretty. It don't have to be loud. Amen. You don't have to have the first, the best, or the last. It don't matter. As long as it's clean, God will use it. And here's the amazing thing. God does the cleaning. If you'll let him. Amen. If you'll let him, God will minister to you. When, when God's people, when God's people met Rahab, she was a harlot. And by the time you hear about her in the New Testament, she's in the lineage of David. Come on now. 
When God, when God showed up, she was a harlot, but when God was done, she was the great-great-grandmother of David the king. Amen? Come on now. That's good stuff. God can change you. God can change your circumstance. He sets the captives free. And I want you to know how amazing it is. If, if you look at the bloodline throughout the Old Testament, one of the amazing things is the thread, the scarlet thread that Rahab hung down, right? And she hung it down in Jericho. Can you imagine? And God manifesting the flesh is walking on the earth he created, and he's coming up to that city where that scarlet thread came down and testified of the blood of the Lamb. Don't you know when he walked in that town, he was ready to do something? Amen. Amen? He was ready to do something when he showed up. Hey, I've done something amazing in this town. I've took someone whose life was messed up and changed it. Amen? The lineage, the lineage of David has Rahab in it. The lineage of Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? Don't, don't ever think that, that your situation's too messed up for God to fix. We, listen, there's no way in the natural for her to get out of that situation. You, if you look at it from Rahab's perspective, think about this. Here I was, bound up as a harlot, thinking I'm going to live the rest of my life doing this stuff, and then one day, God knocks the whole city down for me. If God's got to tear down the whole city of Jericho for you, he'll do it. Sometimes God will deliver you away from people because it's the best thing for you. You know, they say that one bad apple spoils the bunch. You get involved with some of the wrong people. You get involved with people that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. You get involved with people that are antithetical to the ways of God, God will pull you out. But if you resist, you better watch out. So Rahab wanted to get delivered, didn't she? Rahab wanted to get delivered. I can just imagine, when you get stuck in a situation like that and you hear there's a God who sets his people free, listen, no other God is alive. No other God is real. Every other God that they burn incense to and dance to and cut themselves to, can't do nothing. Amen. There is no God beside him. Amen. There is no God beside him. And listen, she believed. She believed. She had some faith like Abraham, didn't she? She heard and she believed if God, God, could you have mercy on someone like me? I'll hang down that scarlet thread. I'll help your people out. I will. And you know what? God delivered her. So here comes the Lord into Jericho. And, and you know, sometimes you go to church and you just feel like God's going to do a miracle. Sometimes you go to church and you're like, man, it just feels different today. Amen. I believe when he was walking into Jericho, he started feeling it. He started, man, we're about to do something. He could just, you can just feel it. Amen. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens in verse number two. So here comes Jesus, and look what happens in verse number two. It says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. <laughs> now listen. It didn't say he was a Pharisee. Don't overread that. It says he was a publican. That means 
He was a tax collector. He was involved in government issues. More often than not, that means you was dirty, if you know what I mean. It means that, it means that, that you did stuff you shouldn't do. You held people by the ankles and emptied out their pockets, and you were a little rotten. In, in, in Zacchaeus, it says he was not even just a publican, but he was you know, one of the best ones, and he was rich. That means he was good at what he did. He was good. Listen, I want to tell you something. The, in the world's eyes, he had it all. In the eyes of the world, he had all the cars, all the boats, all the houses, all the clothes. Amen? Amen. He had, it was just a fair life. If you want a fair life, he had it. If that's what you want, you want the rocking chair, the, the, the grapes out the end, you want all the best that this life has, he had it. But he didn't have all there was. There was something that he did not have. And that something was God. You know that you can have all the world's goods and, and still have sorrow down in the soul. Sometimes the things of the world will do more damage than good to a person. Sometimes the things of the world will actually cause you to go further down than bring you up. And even in all that, don't you remember over in James chapter 4, friendship with the world is what? You become an enemy with God. You become a friend of the world. You begin to live after the things of the world. You begin to look good in the world's eyes. Guess what? God don't, look, God don't look good on that. And Zacchaeus, from the world's perspective, he had it all. Money, food, houses. He had no care in the world. Didn't matter what Uncle Sam told him. Didn't matter what happened at the stock market. Didn't matter what happened to nothing. He had all of it. He was rich. He was rich. You know, some of, the most, some of the most wealthy people are the most unhappy people. You know why? You know why? Because there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There's always a carrot on a stick, and you never can reach it. The things of the world cannot, cannot, cannot satisfy the soul of man. Only God can. Only the spirit of the living God can quench that desire in the soul of a man. And Zacchaeus got to that point. From the, again, just don't lose sight of this. If you look at it from the outside looking in, like if you looked at it on Facebook, if you looked at it on Facebook, his life was great. If you looked at it from the perspective of, of man, he had everything. But if you would have talked to him, if you would have said, you know, when, when everybody else leaves, when all the people leave, because you know whenever you're wealthy like that, everybody's always hanging around asking for stuff. That's when your cousins come out and your brothers come out, and that's when everybody comes out, and, you know, I need help with this and I need help with that. And it, made, it makes you feel important. And if, but if you could have asked him, you know, how's everything going, he would have said, I've got everything, but I've got nothing. I'm empty. I've got it all but I've got nothing. I'm broken. I'm broken. You know what? The best thing that you can do is be honest with God. 
The sooner you get honest with God, the sooner help comes. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When, when we keep that proudness, that haughtiness, I don't need nothing from nobody. Nobody can do anything. I don't need this, and I don't need that, and they should have done this, and they should have done The proud God resists. Not one out of five times. God always resists the proud. Even Jesus resisted the proud. Every time Jesus was around somebody with a hard heart and a proud, a proud heart, he always, he always resisted them. But to the humble, he gave grace. Think about it. Those that came at him and said, I've done this and I've done this, Jesus said, but you hadn't done that. And then the woman that was caught in adultery, what did he throw at her? Nothing. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Now go and sin no more. Now listen, watch this in verse number three. So Zacchaeus, it says he was rich, it, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. Listen, even though he had it all, when he heard about Jesus, something in him perked up. Listen, I, I, want you to, I want you to grab hold of this. Someone at some point in time told Rahab the harlot about God. And because of that, little old Rahab said, Lord, could you help me in my situation too? I heard you delivered your people. Could you also deliver me? And Zacchaeus had a little bit of that too. Zacchaeus, somebody... Somebody somewhere told Zacchaeus there was a man named Jesus. You see, in, in the person that told Rahab, they not their name's not in the Bible. Person that told Zacchaeus, name's not in the Bible. Are you willing to be a nameless, faceless person that God can use? Are you willing to be a nobody to tell somebody about him? And that's what it takes. That's what it takes to see the gospel go forward is people going out and telling other people about a man named Jesus. That God came down and became a man. He dwelt among us. He lived for 33 years. He bore our sins on the cross. He died and rose on the third day. Today he is seated at the right hand of the Father and get your life right because he's coming back. See, somebody somewhere told Zacchaeus about a man named Jesus. They probably, look, look and, and there's probably all kinds of stories that was going around, right? Oh, yeah, he did this and he did that. They was calling Jesus every name in the book, but somebody somewhere had the right perspective. They knew there was something different about Jesus, and they told Zacchaeus, hey, I know you got everything, but let me tell you about somebody. I know you got need for nothing, but Zacchaeus was empty on the inside. All the world's good meant nothing to him because you see it in verse number three. It says he sought Jesus. That means when he heard, he desired something. There was something on the inside he didn't have. And you see, that's when we get into it like we say, open the eyes of my heart. 
It takes God ministering to somebody till you get to the point where you say, you know what? There's got to be more to life than what I've got. There's got to be more to life than this. And there is. There is. There's somebody named Jesus. Not only is there more to life, he is life. He is life. He, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the manna from heaven. I am the bread of life. And he came to give himself just as manna for our soul. And look, look let's continue in, the, in this, go a little bit uh, further in this in verse number four. Let me, let me hang, hang with me in verse number three. It says, he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. Now listen, if that was most folks, that'd be the end of the story. Well, I tried to get up there, but nobody shook my hand, so I just went home. Well, I tried to do this, and I tried to do that, but nobody was listening to me, so I went home. Look, nobody was listening to him. Nobody was paying attention to Zacchaeus. But he was determined to see God. Look, sometimes you've got to ignore folks. Sometimes you've got to ignore folks. And look what he did. He pressed through. He pushed through. Amen. But look, at first, Every avenue that he was going to seek Jesus was shut off. But look, when you've got a hunger on the inside for the, for the hand of God, when you've got a hunger on the inside for the spirit of God, nothing else will quench the desire till you find him. Nothing else will do for the child of God. When you've been born again, the word of God says that the spirit of God is in you and it cries out, Abba, Father. That touch from God where you can look up to God and call him your father, that is a touch that this world cannot give you. And the child of God who knows who their father is will go high and low from this town to that town, amen, till they find the Spirit of God. Sometimes you've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired of not having what you don't have. In Zacchaeus, the, the doors were shut. I want you to grab hold of that. In, in, in our generation, that's unheard of. Our generation is a bend over backwards. Open every door for everybody. Don't offend nobody. But to Zacchaeus, every door was shut off. And, and, and you, you have to make a determination in you that even if everybody else turns away from God, I won't. Even if everybody else quits, I won't. Even if everybody else falls back, God, I won't. You've got to have that in you. You can't, you can't borrow it from somebody else. You've got to get that fire. You've got to get that determination. You've got to get that fight on the inside. You've got to let the Spirit of God well up in you where you say, I'm not going to let anything or anyone stand between me and my God. Amen. Amen. 
Zacchaeus here, Zacchaeus was in a situation that many people find themselves in, and a lot of times we don't remember. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. A lot of times people just kind of half-heartedly ask, but they forget about the seeking and the knocking. Zacchaeus about to flesh out that sermon that Jesus preached. Zacchaeus, he probably didn't even hear the ask, seek, and knock, but he's about to walk it out. He's about to be a living example of somebody who asked. Nobody said anything. He, he, he knocked. He sought. He was not going to take no for an answer. Do you know whenever you are rich and the world looks good on you, you've got a reputation? How foolish do you think he looked when he started climbing up that tree? Look at verse number four. It says, he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. A couple of points about this verse. Number one, he was so determined, he was looking, amen, he was seeking after Jesus, so he knew which way Jesus was coming. He didn't say, well, if he wants to come this way, I guess he'll come. If he wants me to move, I guess he'll come this way. He wasn't doing that. He was plotting it out. He said, okay, I see him over there, and I see him going this way, and there he's going. So he must be coming here. This was not a haphazard accident. Zacchaeus was determined. And I want you to know tonight that you've got to get some determination about you to go deeper in God. You want to go deeper in God? It doesn't come haphazardly. It's when you seek God with the whole heart when you find him. If you're, a, if you're a haphazard seeker of God, you're going to miss the Son of God. You're going to miss the Spirit of God. You're going to miss revival. I've seen God break out in services before. I've, I've been in a service one time when the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully and so many people were being touched. And, and we had uh, 100 people in this room and, and, and everybody that came up, God was touching and ministering through the power of his Spirit. And listen, listen to this. And there were some people that didn't come. Some people that weren't there that came because they saw God moving, but others just sat there and didn't come. You know what? They missed out. And, and if you pursue after God haphazardly, you're going to miss out. You've got to be determined, determined to go after him. And watch this. He said he climbed up in the sycamore tree. And, 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 you know, let's just kind of lay to the side that, you know, Jesus is the creator. He created everything. Here's the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus climbing up in it, all that. But listen to this. He was willing to look like a fool to all his friends and family. There's no hiding behind nobody. There's no covering your face. There's no putting the jacket around you so nobody sees you. Amen. It's about as foolish as standing out on a street corner, handing out tracts or preaching the gospel. You're out there bare and exposed to the world. But I want you to know that God came here and he exposed who he was to the world. And if you belong to him, you'll follow in his steps. And Zacchaeus, look, Zacchaeus was willing to get mocked and made fun of. They, you, you know, this man with his reputation was losing it every inch he climbed up that tree. 
Look at this guy. Look at this guy climbing up this tree. Zacchaeus, is that you? You're supposed to have everything. What are you doing up there? Why, do you, why are you doing that? Come down here. You look foolish. I might look foolish to you, but it looks like faith to God. It might look foolish to the world, but it looks an awful lot like faith to God. Sometimes God will ask you to stand out from the crowd. It's faith. It's faith, child of God. Step out in it. Step out in it. When God asks you to step out, step out. Don't back out. Step out in faith. Amen? If God's asking you to go deeper, follow him. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And, and look, there's a reason. There's a reason that Zacchaeus went up in that tree. He's, every, every rung of the tree he went up, he lost more of his reputation in the world's eyes. Isn't that that guy that robbed us? Isn't that that guy that told us if we didn't do this, he was going to charge us twice? Isn't, isn't that that guy? What's he doing? He's losing, his, he's losing his reputation in the eyes of men, but he's gaining it in the eyes of God. Every step he's going up, I believe the heart of God was saying, yes, child. Yes, child, keep going. Don't turn back, child. Keep coming after me. I know the tree is tall, and I know you're tired, and I know you hear the laughter and the mocking, but I want you to know when you get up there, you're going to find the Spirit of God. See, it, it, it's, it's that kind of faith, that kind of faith that you're willing to be made a fool of for God. Are you, willing, are you willing to be laughed at and mocked at for God? Sometimes when you obey the Spirit of God, you're going to look like a fool. Sometimes God will ask you to go back and tell somebody you're sorry when you didn't do nothing wrong. Well, God, I didn't do anything wrong. Better obey him. But God, they're going to think that I'm crazy. You ever, if, if, if you've ever prayed for somebody in the power of the Spirit, you know what that feels like. Lord, they're going to think I'm crazy if I say that. You know what? Better that they think you're crazy and God think you're, you're faithful. Amen? Hey, if you, if you, I would rather offend men than God. I would rather grieve man than God. I would rather look small in the eyes of man than in God's eyes. So Zacchaeus here, you know, he was uh, a small stature, the Bible says, but listen, every, every branch of that tree he went up, he gained stature in God's eyes. Whew. I believe God was just cheering him on, don't you? I believe God was cheering him on. Jesus was probably healing somebody else's eyes or, you know, delivering somebody else from a devil or something. He was doing something over here, and every step of that tree, Zacchaeus was going up. I believe Jesus' heart was going, yes, 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 yes. In the same town, in the same, in the same vicinity, what if it was even around the same place where Rahab hung that scarlet thread? 
What if right there that sycamore tree grew? And, and, and here, you know, Rahab, she had that life of the harlot, and, 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 and everybody looked down on her, and here you got Zacchaeus. Everybody looked up to him. But in the world's eyes, that's what they thought. But look, both of them were broken on the inside. Rahab was in a situation she couldn't get out of. And Zacchaeus was in a world where he was empty and broken. And when he heard about Jesus, he sought about Jesus. Listen, listen, even the testimony of your life testifies what you believe. if, If people don't get a good grasp of who Jesus is, maybe you should give them a better witness. D.L. Moody one time said, D.L. Moody said one time, out of 100 people, one's going to read the Bible. The other 99 are going to read the one that read it. Not a lot of people is going to take the time to read the Word of God. If you read the Word of God, if you read the Word of God, listen, you've got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility to God to give a healthy testimony to the world of who Jesus is. Somewhere, somebody did that for Zacchaeus. Do you really think Zacchaeus, as a thief, was at home every night reading the Bible? Somebody told him. Somebody told him. Do you see the part that we can play in this? You you might find yourself in a Zacchaeus situation, but more than likely, we're in that position where we need to be telling Zacchaeuses about the same Jesus he heard about. We need to be going about looking for people that are broken, looking for people that are in the gutter, looking for people that are on the down and out. Listen, looking for people that the world passes by. Because you know what? God don't pass them by. And God, if you're a child of God, he'll move on you. He'll move on you. And if you kick against the pricks like Saul did, he might have to break you down. But if you keep being despondent to God, he'll pass over you and go to the next person. He's going to get somebody he can use. And somebody somewhere was available for God. Somebody somewhere was available to God. Might even be somebody like Ananias, you know, over in the Bible. He's, God woke up Ananias and he said, I want you to go pray for Saul. He's about to become Paul. I want you to go pray for him. Wait, that's the guy that kills us. That's the guy that persecutes us. God said, I want you to go pray for him. It takes faith. Every step Ananias took, I believe in the same way, the Spirit of God was saying, yes, child. Yes, child, keep going. I'm going to use you. We always think about the apostle Paul. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, but it took a man named Ananias who believed by faith. If I go, God's got my back. If God is for me, who can be against me? It would be like you going up to Osama bin Laden, sharing the gospel with him. That would take faith, wouldn't it? This is the situation he found himself in. The Spirit of God came on him, and he said, I want you to go down to Straight Street. I want you to, to lay hands on Paul. I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for him so he can regain his sight. I blinded him. That You mean that guy? Yes. 
I want you to know every step he took was a step of faith. And every rung of that tree Zacchaeus went up was a step of faith. And when you begin to walk in faith, you begin to move God's heart. Because you're trusting God. You're believing God. You're believing God more than you believe circumstances. So Zacchaeus goes up in the tree. And let's pick it up in verse number five. It says, well, look at verse number four. We'll continue in. It says, he ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. So, so God gave Zacchaeus an opportunity. God gave Zacchaeus an opportunity, and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. Zacchaeus didn't say, uh, Lord, I got to go, you know, clean up. Zacchaeus said, I'm not going to be ashamed. You know, there's times that you've got to expose yourself. There's times that you've got to say, God, here I am. Here I am. You know me. You know my in and you know my out. You know my innermost thoughts. Jesus knew his name before he said it. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knew his name and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, we go into your house. Zacchaeus Okay, God, here I come. Do you have that kind of faith? If God was willing to change your life and turn it upside down today, would you say, yes, Lord? You see, a lot of times we hold on to what we know. A lot of times we're not willing to believe for more. What do I mean by that? You take somebody that's an addict. God's ready, willing, and able to deliver that addict of whatever it is that's holding them in bondage. But some of us, it's too precious. We see the Spirit of God, you know, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Don't tell me you're a child of God and you're bound up. God can deliver any one of his children. But you got to be willing to let go. You got to be willing to let go. That's what Zacchaeus did at this point. He let go and he came down. He came down. I can just imagine what they were talking about on the way, but we're going to continue in this just a little bit further. It said, um, he made haste and came down, received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured. There, there's the sand ballots and the Tobias, right? Whenever you begin to do anything for God, somebody's going to talk about you. If you're going to be used of God, you better just kind of cast your reputation out into the street. Because whenever you begin to set out to live for God, you're going to get mocked, you're going to get made fun of, and people are going to murmur about you. Oh, yeah, that's goody two-shoes. You should have seen the way they didn't shake my hand that one day. Oh, I heard about them. I heard what they did. Yeah, but you don't know why they did it. 
Murmuring will begin at the same point faith does. Nehemiah, when Nehemiah comes back to rebuild the temple, this is a step of faith. He had a heart for God. He was broken because God's house was still torn down, and he put it on his heart, amen, and it was a fulfillment of prophecy, Daniel chapter 9. And Jeremiah comes back home to the homeland. He begins to set out the work for God. But listen, not all the people of God wanted it. Some people that claim to be people of God don't want the same thing you want. Some people are satisfied with the status quo. Some people want a dead church. Some people are all too comfortable in a church that's asleep. We got to pull our fingers out of our ears and let our hearts be laid bare to God. Only God can change us. Only God can change us. Amen. He's coming back for a church that's alive, not a church that's asleep. Look, we, we got no business being a saltless church. This is a problem in the church world today is we don't have salt anymore. We believe that if we will be less salty, more people will come in. When we've never been called to that, we've been called to be salt and light in the world today. God called us to come out from among them to be a peculiar people set apart. It's never going to be popular to be a pilgrim. That's why Jesus said it's a narrow road. Few, few go on it. We are pilgrims, we are peculiar people, and we are called to be set apart, not appeasers of the generation. God never called you to appease a generation going to hell. God called you to cry out against it. God called you to cry out against the generation, not join the party. Seen churches playing music like ACDC. I've seen churches playing worldly music, amen? God never called us to be a part of a generation going to hell. He called us to preach the gospel so they can come out from among them and be set apart for God. You see, there is a saltiness in, in when you begin to move for God, it will rub worldly folks the wrong way and they will seek out to tear you down. Next Next to murmuring, next to murmuring, its evil twin sister is what the Bible calls backbiting, which is probably one of the only words in the dictionary that those seminary preachers don't have to define. <laughs> backbiting, enough said. In case you're from places like me, let me tell you. It means people go behind you and take hunks out of your back because they don't like where you're going. It's not because they don't like you. It's because they don't like you being obedient to God. See, if Jeremiah would have had, I mean, if, if Nehemiah would have had a little bit of compromise, if Nehemiah would have been a little bit compromised and kind of kicked his feet up, you know, and said, ah, oh, we'll let the next generation build up the temple. 
We'll let the next generation build up the city. We'll let the next generation deal with it. I don't want to do, if he would have done like that, Sam Ballant and Tobias, they would, they would have never caused him a lick of problems. But because he had the audacity to stand up and to desire to see God move in Jerusalem again, those people that were for the status quo set out to tear it down. And whenever Zacchaeus said, okay, Lord, come on, let's do it, that's when the people began to murmur. Look, it comes with the territory. You're in good company if people are murmuring against you. If, if the world thinks good of you, there might be a problem with your witness. You might need to wonder what kind of spirit you got going on if the world looks well on you. If nobody's talking bad about you and tearing you down, there is, there is many, many, and even Jesus was slandered. They called him a glutton and a drunkard, and he was neither. Another sermon, by the way. But he was not a drunkard and he was not a glutton. All right. Look at this. It says in verse, let me get back in my place here. It says in verse number seven, when they saw it, they all, can you get that? They all, all murmured. Now that's a testimony. That lets you know right there that Zacchaeus, what he did was not in the back alley. What Zacchaeus did was out there for everybody to see. Amen. Amen. They all did. They all murmured. That means he had no shame. He had no shame in it. He was willing to be made fun of and mocked and the whole world to see it and they saw it and they all began to tear him down with their words. But I want you to know something. If God's the one doing the work in you, all of hell can't stop you. If God is the one starting the fire in you, all the forces of hell can't put it out. If God is doing it, no man can stop it. Charles Spurgeon, he prayed that one time. He said, God, if what I'm doing is my own, let it stop. If what we're doing is of men, tear it down. But if it's what you're doing, God see it through and in Zacchaeus's life see he's responding he's responding to the spirit of God God was doing this in him God began this desire in him it was it was God whenever Zacchaeus got down into that gutter most place even though he had all the world's goods he didn't have what his soul needed which was a touch from God he did not have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have salvation. He didn't know God. Amen? Amen? And when he got into that place, when he figured out he didn't have it and he wanted it, God began something in him. And what God begins, he finishes. God don't quit at halftime. God don't quit in the third quarter. God's a finisher. He's the author. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on now. He don't stop. He's not just the author of our faith. He's the author, it says, and the finisher of our faith. That's who Jesus is. So when it's halftime and you feel like quitting, just remember who started what's inside you. 
And if you'll hold on to him, he'll complete it to the end. So they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. They all murmured, look at Zacchaeus and Jesus. Look at them, look at them. Talk, 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 talk. Listen, if you, if, if you listen to that talking like that, if you listen to that stuff, it's going to mess with your mind. It's going to mess with your mind. Do you not remember Proverbs 4, 23? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That means when people begin talking doubt, guard your heart. Don't let it in. When people begin tearing other people down, listen, child of God, guard your heart. Shut your ears. Turn away from it. It'll do more damage than good if you listen to that stuff. Guard your heart. And they all began to set out and they were talking about Zacchaeus and Jesus. Look at this. Look at these guys. And look in verse number eight. It says, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man, by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know what that is? That's called repentance. That's called repentance. That's, that is when Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was bringing grace into his life, he allowed grace to run its full course. See, grace is designed to bring you to a place of wholeness not leave you in a place of brokenness. Grace will pick you up out of the gutter and grace will bring you and restore you to the place God always called you to be. That's what grace does. It is not a license to sin. Grace restores. It makes you who God always called you to be. It empowers you to live a holy and complete life unto God. That's what grace does. And Zacchaeus received that grace, and look, he didn't stay where he was. He allowed grace to run its full course and change him into a man of God. He took it, and he ran with it. Look, when God's given you grace, if God's given you grace to change you, grab it. Grab it. If God's giving you grace, grab it. Because he saves from the guttermost. He saves from the gutter to the uttermost, doesn't he? And if you, if you find yourself in a situation like Rahab, she found grace. And if you find yourself in a situation like Zacchaeus, he found grace. And they both did it by faith. Grace is amazing. It's amazing grace. But look, grace was never intended to leave you like you were. Grace was intended to make you whole again. You see, we're broken. We fail. We mess up. 
and grace takes us from the place of broken and less than and failure and it moves us over to the place of completion. Grace does things that man cannot. And Zacchaeus found it. When Zacchaeus knew, hey, God came into my house. He's changed me. He's given me this opportunity. I'm making restoration of every wrong thing I've done. Nobody asked him to do that. Look, he wasn't caught up in legalism. He was obeying by the Spirit. You don't have to have somebody over your shoulder telling you which way to turn your steering wheel if you've got the Holy Ghost. And so Zacchaeus says, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore all of these things. This, was, this is repentance. This is what repentance looks like. See, repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is changing. People, get, people are sorry when they get caught. He didn't say, Lord, I'm sorry for all the things I've done in my past. He proved it by letting go of his past. And see, think about it. If you rob a bank, right? Don't do this, by the way. But if you rob a bank, if you rob a bank and they catch you, you can't just say, I'm sorry, and keep the money. You got to let it go. And that's with the law. But I want you to know there's a higher law than man's law at work. And when God shows you that you've sinned, the way that you repent is to give up what he showed you. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You don't get to keep the money bags. Try to hear that in churches today. You don't get to keep the money bag. You got to give them up. You got to give it back. Now watch this though. He says right here, he said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to restore all this. If I've taken anything uh, from, from false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to go above and beyond. Look, when repentance is truly at work in your life, you will go above and beyond. If God delivers you from maybe playing games on the computer, not only are you not going to play games, but you'll probably unplug your computer. Now, if it's legalism, you're just going to do something different. But it's when it comes from the Spirit of God, when it comes from the Spirit of God, you're going to go above and beyond in your repentance, and nobody's going to have to tell you what to do. It'll be the Spirit compelling you, not man telling you. There's a difference. There's a difference whenever man tells you and the Spirit compels you. And if you keep your fingers in your ears, you're not going to hear the Spirit compelling you. I always say a lot of times the Holy Spirit needs to break out the Holy Ghost Q-tips so he can get in and, and dig all that clutter out so we can begin to hear him again. It, but Zacchaeus, he had his ears cleaned out. He could hear the Lord. He said, Lord, I hear you. I've been a thief, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all back. And not only that, I'm going to give them more than I took. He heard the Spirit clearly, and he obeyed fully. Amen? And look what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, 
This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, Jesus came to save broken folk. This is why in the Bible you see stories like Samson or Rahab. You see stories about David failing God. You see stories about people like Zacchaeus who was a thief. And yet God changed their life because that's the kind of folk God came to save. Not the people that had it all together. Look, in the world's eyes, he had it all, but he didn't have anything. He didn't have God, and he knew it. And when he heard about a man named Jesus, he came running. And when every door was shut in his face, he went anyhow. And when he couldn't see because of the crowd, he climbed up in a tree by faith. And he looked like a fool to the world. And he didn't care about his reputation. And because of that, God worked in his life. Sometimes you talk to people and they go, I don't know why God's not using me. I don't know why God's not blessing me. I don't know why God's not touching me. Well, maybe you need to give God something to touch. Maybe you need to begin to climb up a sycamore tree. Maybe you need to go after God. He said, he said you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what the word says. Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. Well, you just sit there and wait. God will wait longer. God will wait until you get tired of not having him. And then when you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get down on my knees. We've got to get some things straight, Lord. That's when you'll find him. That's when you'll find him. That's when you'll find him. You see, the Lord came to Zacchaeus' house, and I want you to know your house is no different. I'm talking about your soul. Your house is no different than Zacchaeus's. It, it might have used to been used to, to do ungodly things. It might have used to been used to be a thief house or, or an outhouse or a pot house or whatever kind of house. But God's called it to be a holy house. You see, when Jesus came on the scene, all the ungodly things left. When Jesus sat in Zacchaeus' house, he was willing to part with every ungodly thing. Let me show you something in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. See, there's, there's more to that because Zacchaeus, it says he was a publican. It says he was a publican, but listen, Jesus said he's a son of Abraham. That's different. Abraham, listen to this, though. Abraham was the first one to come out of Ur because he heard the call of God to leave everything that he knew and go somewhere where he'd never get where he was going. He was called to be a pilgrim, a continuing city he sought after, not one here on earth. 
God promised him the stars. He didn't literally get them. He got them spiritually. It was a faith thing. And see, Zacchaeus, he left his home by leaving his reputation, leaving his livelihood, getting made a fool of. He left everything. He was willing to come out from among them. He was willing to leave Ur. Are you? Are you? You see, that's what made him a child of Abraham is because he believed God. He operated by faith, and he was willing to leave Ur just like Abraham did. His family had a new beginning. You know, Abraham's called the father of our faith, right? Father Abraham. You see, Zacchaeus started a new beginning for his whole family. Don't matter what the family tree did back then, it's doing something new now. See, if you ever get into those people that's like generational curses and things like that, listen, listen, the blood of Jesus will break every curse. You don't have to be who your parents were. You can have a new beginning in Jesus' name. Zacchaeus had a new beginning, just like Abraham. Abraham didn't have to be who his father was. He didn't have to be who his granddad was. You don't have to say, well, all my family's just been like this. We've all been like that. We've all been like this. Look, when it comes to you, it can be a new day. There can be a new beginning with you. You can chart a new future for your family. That's why Zacchaeus was called a son of Abraham. Because he was willing for the change to start with him. Amen? Amen? Look, if you want those things to be cut off, go to Jesus. They'll be cut off. The blood of Jesus Christ will cancel out every single curse on your life. He breaks iniquities. He breaks iniquities. You don't have to be who other people say. You can be who God says. You can be who God says, not who man says. Zacchaeus was, was, he was ready, willing, and able to walk out of Ur. Look at verse number 19. Verse number 19. And this is the question that we have to ask ourselves. What kind of house we're giving God? Because I want you to know See, Jesus went physically to Zacchaeus' house. But he'll come to you tonight. He'll come to you tonight. He'll come to you and inhabit your life. He said he'll come and dwell in you. He will abide in you. If you abide in him, listen, John chapter 15, I'm going to come back there, right? If you'll abide in him, he'll abide in you. Those things you got to receive by faith. But he'll come to you right now. He'll come to you right now if you'll receive him. But look, look, you got to be willing to leave Ur. You got to be willing to leave Ur like Abraham, and you got to be willing to leave your reputation like Zacchaeus did. Tired of being known as a thief. Rahab was tired of being known as a harlot. Abraham was tired of living in Ur. Are you tired of living in the gutter? Are you tired of living without? Come on now. Listen. 
Look what he says right here. Look at verse number 19. He said, what? Know you not that your body, somebody say my body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Listen to this verse. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Look, you're not your own. You belong to the one who sought you and bought you. You belong to the king of kings. And when, when, when we are walking without the fire of God on our life, when we're walking without that holiness on our life, when we're walking without the fullness of the spirit in our life, it's not because God ran out. He don't run out. He's limitless. He is the God of the impossible, the God of miracles, and he don't run out of who he is, and he's willing to give all of who he is to the whosoever that's willing to come out of her. Lord, I'll be made a fool of for you. They can mock me, laugh at me, backbite me, murmur me, but God, please don't leave me. I want you, and I want you alone. I don't need anything from this world. I don't need anything from a man. I need you. And watch this. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus desired a change in his life. The, look, the world, the world looked at stuff. The world looked at stuff. They thought Zacchaeus had it all because he had stuff. Zacchaeus looked for a savior. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to this life than what I've got. The world looks at stuff. Zacchaeus looks for a savior. And Jesus looks for souls. See, here in this passage in Luke 19, you've got stuff, Savior, and a soul. And if you're willing to let go of stuff, you'll see a Savior who wants to save your soul. Not only does he save your soul, but I showed you right there, he'll fill it up. When you belong to him, you become his temple. And he inhabits his temple. And he will inhabit your life. He will fill you up to the uttermost. He will give you more than you need if you'll leave her and come out to him. God's good. And I want you to know he wants to touch your soul. Are you stuck on stuff? Are you looking for the Savior? Because when, when you begin to look for the Savior, he's looking for a soul to fill. He's looking for a soul to fill. Does he fill yours? Does he fill yours? Does he fill yours? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to hear your word tonight.